Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, my talkers, it is hump day and a special one at that. Lori is in studio and one person you guys have all been waiting to hear from, the one, the only. It's Brittany Witch. <laughs> oh, it's wild to be back. I feel like I keep hearing a baby crying somewhere. <laughs> I know. Brittany, what was the date of your baby girl's birth? Uh, May 28th at 10.57 p.m. So she was only about a uh, only a day earlier. So. And little Margot. Little Margot Francis. What do you call her when you're mad at her? Marge. Marge. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, she has the Marge face often. Like, how can we make you happy and you can't? And we, a lot of things I say to her are, we have the same goal, Marge. Yeah. And she does oh not seem to agree, but yeah. And this is Brittany's first baby, y'all. This yeah. was a much planned for baby. Very right? much so, yeah. We ended up doing uh, infertility treatment and, and we, it took us about two and a half years to have her. So we were... We were very excited. Yeah. We still had no idea what we were getting. Right, into. right. Well, how can you? I mean, really? No, I don't know. And everyone kept telling me, they're like, you'll never sleep again, or you won't get to sleep. Like, they're like, the sleep deprivation you'll have is wild. And I go, you know what? I was on a morning show. I was in the military. Like, yeah, I can oh, handle right. it. Oh, boy. Oh, I can't can wait to hear it. how you handled it. And then, like, one weekend, I was like, I don't know how people <laughs> do this casually. I was like losing my mind. Because you were so exhausted, so exhausted. And, and do you, is it every two hours? Well, at first, yeah, it's every two hours, and then <sighs> when you breastfeed, you can't, you can't even like tag team. It's like Justin's, like you know, mine. He'll sleep next to me, like kind of throwing his hand on my back, you know, while he's mid sleep. You got, go get you him, got tiger. <laughs> you got this. And I'm just looking at my boobs, cursing the day I was born. This, you know, so it's it's wild, and it. You know, our boss asked us, she was like, is it just you can't even explain the love? And it's like, it must be because I look at her. It's 3 a.m. Nobody in my world could wake me up at 3 a.m. And I'd go, hey, you. Yeah. You know, I it's just violent how much I love her. Like, and it's Mm. it's like my whole mouth like locks up. And but I also am so glad to be away from her. Is this the first time you've been away from her? Well, for the, I mean, like, I had a little like one hour here, one okay. hour there. Um, and, and will ran. you be away from her for like four hours today? All in all, five. Five hours. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not, so like, special. not like I've timed it. Right. I know. You'll know exactly when you're going to be home. And if anybody fakes cry, I will lactate. So let's not do that. Okay. Today. We, we're going to try. And put, she's really, you, you posted a little Twitter. She is a little pudget. I love it. I love it too. I love her round tongue. 
tummy and all the rolls already around her ankles, knees, and thighs. And then, like, you don't even know. All of a sudden, you feel like a monster because you'll lift up one of those little rolls, and there'll be, like, layers of stuff in there. And you're like, well, how long? Why didn't you say something to me, Go-Go? You know, like, what is going on? And so... You're going to go through a lot of Q-tips cleaning the folds. Yeah, we... (laughs) For sure. And then, like... Justin's first time, this is Justin's like probably one of his first times ever changing a diaper. I would find myself in the hospital getting irate with him because it would take like eight minutes for him to do it. And now he's like Mr. Speedy. But like there's all these things that you just find yourself being like, you need to be faster. You need to be this and that. And yeah. it's like, but it's all new to us. Of all course. of it, you know, and giving her a bath. We were terrified to give her a bath. Oh, I would be too. Slippery little football. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Slippery little you football. And you're like, watch the soft spot. Watch the soft spot. So we had... Me and my husband there, we almost called our neighbor Priscilla in because we were like, we need another person. We need like the lifeguard person. And then I kept having this image like, what if I, if, if I try to do it myself and I slip and hit my head? Like all these thoughts, you go crazy, mm-hmm. Lori. You just yeah. go crazy. I'll I, take your word for it. I know. You just, I, I feel like always a crazy person. I've, I've like, when we go on walks, I have like a fan for her. I have like <laughs> a million. Oh, I know. My neighbors are dying because they're like first time mom. Mm-hmm. I've got like these elaborate things for yeah. her because I'm, I'm I'm always like when we went to the, like anywhere, I bring a car full of things. Of course. It's wild. Of course. Yeah. And and how was the, you know, getting her out? 16 minutes, baby. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, you uh, were a, a baby freeway going I'm, 75 oh miles an hour. Lori, you're going to die. So get this. So we, I'm, you know, and by the way, Fairview Southdale, the nurses there, Jen, shout out to Jen. Oh, the, I'm all the nurses there. They were so wonderful. One of them knew I was on my talk and I was like, before I got that epidural, I was not a, a happy, happy camper. It hurt because it hurt so much. Oh labor my. is called labor for a real good reason. Again, another thing women casually do, which is wild. Oh yeah. Well, and I, Grant, I was telling Lori, I almost named the baby epidural because <laughs> it felt so. And I think I like almost got a new social security card because I was like a different person after that <laughs> epidural. Because then. The oh, it took it took yeah. it all away, and so then the nurse Jen, she was like, "Okay, wow. we're gonna take a nap." Um, the game plan is you're going to take a nap and then in three to four hours, we're going to have this baby. She goes, just bring me if you feel any pressure. And I was laying there and I was like, okay. And I'm like, I love this plan. I'm loving life right now. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I think, I think something's coming out, but am I, am I pooping? Like, right. I, don't know. I have no idea what's you down there. The <laughs> I got nothing. To, like, so I, I ring the nurse and I was like, Hey Jen. Um, and she's like, she looks, she shuts my legs and is like, yeah. I'm going to go get the doctor right now. Keep these legs shut. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then that six, fast. 16 minutes later. Oh, you're lucky. Here's a fact I didn't know. So what happens is the baby comes out a little bit and then goes back in. So it's kind of like the way you rock your car out of a snowbank. Yeah. So yeah. Justin was watching and he kept thinking, why isn't the doctor grabbing was them? Was he like, watching down below? Oh, yeah. He oh. was like super involved. Okay. And at that point. <laughs> Listen to me. Okay. Know. Know. You know what's wild? At that point. I didn't even care. Right, like right. between the pain and then numbed and then just like let's get this baby yeah, out yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you could have brought the whole so football team. So he was team wondering in. about that. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, he's like, grab it. Like it's, <laughs> she keeps showing her head, and like I guess they have to like rock out. 
I did not know that. Well, yeah, if you pull that. too hard, can't that like affect the skull? I don't. They, they well, I don't guess. do it. They yeah, don't that's do why. They just yeah. wait and like Unless they, the baby was upside down or something. Yeah, and so they like you you push and it rocks out, and then all of a sudden that was like I got one more push because they're like let's take a break, and I was like I got one more good one in me, <laughs> so I pushed and that one. She just came out, and it was. Mm-hmm. Don't well, I told you, Grant? Oh yeah, don't. She's gonna start <laughs> milking. I only brought one bra in. I can't go through <laughs> this one. To sneak it in. Um, but yeah, it was just wild. Like it was one of those things where, like, and then uh, every photo, Justin looks like a million bucks, and my <laughs> neck is like crinked in. I'm bawling. Every right, photo, right. I look like a hot mess. Aww. He look, you know, he's holding the baby, looking all like angelic, and I'm just like seven well, you did necks. All the work. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Right. And everyone keeps saying she looks like him. So I well. She, her eyes are your eyes. Yeah, they're big. I old. mean, my gosh, you and all of your family, huh? you guys are like the big eyes. <laughs> we you are. guys have gigantic, beautiful eyes, and like, she and, has your eyes. So. Well, yeah, so. We'll we wait are. and see what her eyebrows do. Right, that's, that's clutch. That's, that's the key. <laughs> that's clutch. If she's got the big Hagen brow, that's mm-hmm. us. But yeah, we'll see. I It's. Well, it's congratulations. Yeah. Thank you guys. This is your first day back here. You Welcome. You were missed. I I listened to you guys so much. I think that she honestly probably recognizes your guys' voice more than mine or Justin's. (laughs) (laughs) We listened a lot. And is my last question before we go to break: Is she a chill baby? Would you say as long as long as she's fed? We had to figure the feeding out. Then she's fine. Then she's chill. We when she's hungry, she lets you know. Yeah, she tells us what she needs. Mm -hmm. Little go go. Yeah, go go. That's such a cute nickname. I know. Love it. Stupid cute. Oh, that's but so good. They're fine. They're at home. We're gonna talk like we're gonna talk everything but baby. Okay. Then I want, well, we had to do some baby talk with you because people were emailing us and wondering what was going mm-hmm. on with you and blah blah blah. We had said it like right when you had the baby, yeah. but you know, like one day. Yeah, totally. And then we moved on. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I like. I like that we're gonna still talk because I'm dying to talk Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. <laughs> All right, that's what we're gonna do when we come back. It's our story we can't get enough of. Just like when you were last here in May, we were grooving out to Harry Style as it was. That song is still going, Brittany. You know, some things don't change and that, I appreciate it. That's right. Now, um, I have been doing a lot of traveling since I last saw you. Like, I've been out of town, like, almost every weekend. And you had sent me a text when the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Ex-Wives Club, because all of the women on the show are ex-wives of the Real Housewives franchise. And I told you, I promise... I will watch all the episodes, and I thought they'd all dropped at once. I didn't realize it's a one-a-week thing. Yeah, yeah. So I've watched all four, just like you have, and it's on Thursday night, and you thought it was epic, and I have to agree. It's so good. When I was watching it, and I knew you were in New York at the time, and I was like, listen, I I wanted wanted to hold back, because I watched it at some weird time. I was feeding Margo at some weird time watching it. So I held back to doing like a 2 a.m. text. You're welcome. Yeah. But then once it was an appropriate time, I was like, I know you're on vacation, and I know you don't work on vacation, and I know you aren't going to be watching TV on vacation, but just know... This, this is, is amazing. Yeah. This is everything. They, I love the little peek behind the curtain, but I also love the follow-ups on people that I actually want to know about. Showing us the winks from previous seasons that when they were on. Now, I will say, I feel like this Ultimate Girls Trip, which is uh, Vicki Gunvalson and Tamara Judge from OC, Dorinda from New York, Phaedra and Ava from Atlanta, who, as far as I'm concerned, those are the all-stars. Those are them. Phaedra's MVP, for sure. For sure. And then, um, 
Who else is on you it? You got Jill. Brandy and Jill. Yeah. Brandy Glanville and Jill And Taylor Zanin. Armstrong. Taylor Armstrong. Who is, you know, had that tragic past with her husband who uh, committed suicide uh, during the season of two of Beverly Hills. Yeah. So it was kind of good to see but, how she's doing. Yeah. And but filming at Bluestone Manor. Lame. Lame. But but they must not have wanted to spend any money on this iteration. I think they were trying to feel out if it was going to work because they yeah. kind of green lighted this all at the same time. Yeah, because the other girls got to go to Turks and Caicos. Yeah. And I I but a lot of those women were current housewives. So maybe that's why they spent more money. They're like oh, these ex-wives were not spending the money. And we thought that the Turks and Caicos one was a good, you know, the first season. We thought, wow, this is great. You know, getting a peek behind the scenes yeah. and things like that. This second one's better because of the people. The people are good. The people are good. But the thing that happened on the first episode where Dorinda had explained to the ladies that she wasn't fired from the housewives, that she was just on pause. On pause. And all of the women were completely shady and laughing about it. And after that first, uh, maybe the second episode, Dorinda was in the clubhouse with Andy Cohen. And here... She wants to clear because, of course, she saw the episodes and she saw all the ladies laughing. Uh, no, you were fired. Yeah. And Tamara and Vicky seem to be the most heartbroken. Oh, yeah. About being fired from the housewives. Tara, you know, uh, Taylor and Brandy. It's been so long. And even Phaedra, it's been a long time. I think that's a big difference, too. I think Brandy mentions that that's a big difference with like the how thirsty some of the housewives are because. Brandy's let go that she's probably never going to be on The Real Housewives no, again. No, She's not. She's supposed to be attached to Beverly Hills, and that one's known for being extremely rich, and she's not remotely there. Yeah. Um, and so I think she's let it go, but they are. You can tell the difference between the ones who have been recently let go and ones that's been like, ten, you know, eight years since they've been on. Yeah, and Vicki Gumbelson, talk about a Debbie Downer. I mean, she showed up on that trip. Now, granted, she just got dumped by her Literally fiance. the day prior. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But she is a real, she's not fun. She's not fun at all. And that's why she's not, I mean, she had such a hard time accepting new girls every season every when she season, was on the OC. she was really a brat. Um. Also, why does it look like she's wearing a weird face mask all the time? I'm not sure if she did another procedure. It is interesting when they do the flashback. Yeah. Like, I feel like uh, Phaedra got a serious glow up. Oh, yeah. Um, Tamara even looks good. Tamara looks good. I don't know what Brandy's done to her face. Ava looks exactly the same. And Vicky looks like a sheet mask. It looks like, um, it looks like I read something that Brandy had a skin infection but it, it looks crazy. It looks so weird. It looks so crazy. I mean, it looks very classic Beverly Hills, done too much, and you're starting to have that Catwoman-y face. Um, yes. Well, you want to hear what Dorinda yes, says in yes, the clubhouse? Yes, yes, I didn't watch this. Yeah, well, that's what happens live. Well, she wants to clear up her statement when she told the other ladies that she was on pause from the Real Housewives of New York. Andy, I need you to clear it up. Yes. Was I on pause? Did you say I, it yourself? Did I you put said, me on pause? I said we are putting you on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Pause. I Googled it the yes. other day again. I did. So there you yes. go, Brandy. Well, where did, where did you Google? What I Google, what does Andy Cohen say about Dorinda leaving the house <laughs> And did you find anything? Yes. You did? And I, did yeah, it I sent it to Dan. Yes, and then I put, what did Andy Cohen say about Vicki Gummelson leaving the housewives? And it says she was fired. So oh I, I, just, okay. I just Googled it. Okay. Okay, and Andy didn't have the heart to tell her that sometimes they, like, real, uh, the... Million Dollar Listening New York, that just got put on pause. Yeah. So the hiatus is, uh, they're going to see if you are missed at all, Dorinda. And no, especially after this This season. She's she's the worst. She's the worst. She makes me feel so uncomfortable. The way she argues is so vicious. And then attacking the ladies with all of her house rules and telling them they can't eat in their bedroom and she leaves them all welcome cupcakes in their bedroom. It's just wild. She's very contrarian. Well, it's, it's like, I mean... The way she fights is so triggering. If you fought with anybody who has that like toxic personality, that she's pivots, always gaslighting, always gaslighting, get pivots. She attacks. If you have show any emotion, she'll go. Wah. But she was like that at the tail end of the Real Housewives in New York. Because I uh, don't worry, I rewatched them all during. Have the- you really watched all I watched, of the early seasons? I watched every Real Housewives in New York, and I'm currently on Beverly Hills and on season two right now. <laughs> Very satisfying. Thank you. Thank you, Grant. I appreciate that. You know, that. I think it's going to really come off in your re- badly in your rewatching of uh, uh, Beverly Hills is we're going to see the de-evolution of Lisa Rinna. I think and so, too. And how two-faced she is. I, you already see that, especially because like her, you, you guys have to go back and watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season one and two because, you know, Adrian Maloof and Lisa Vanderpump start out as friends and you can see them because you find out later they like all hate those two hated each other mm-hmm. and you can see the little digs thrown at each other and then the way that lisa vanderpump malip- manipulates things also what does not age well what? is uh kyle and kim's relationship how they really just forced kim to be on all these scenes and she was not, not in a good not place in a good place no. well we're in for an epic beverly hills tonight they, uh, the ladies are going back and forth on social media apparently erica jane tells Garcelle's 14-year-old boy to shut the F up. Yeah, we're going to need to watch that. We're going to need to watch that. All right, Brittany, thank you. Oh, Listen, thank you. When we come back, um, Grant, this is going to be one of our top 10 books of the year. Oh, next I can't author. wait. David Cap uh, wrote the book Aurora. It is time for another edition of the LoJ Book Club, and you are in for a treat because I already know that our next book, which is called Aurora, is going to be on one of our, is going to be on the top 10 best books of 2022. And David Kep is joining us. Hello, David. Hello. David. Thank you for that introduction. I oh, love that. my gosh. You're an author, you're a director, and a screenwriter. I mean, and you're like this book, I'm new to your fiction. Now, my brother is a fan. He's read a couple of your other books and he's like, oh my God, he's an amazing writer. But how do you go from writing screenplays to novels? How did that doesn't usually happen? No, it doesn't. And I did it. Um, Aurora's my second book. So your brother probably read Cold Storage. Yeah, that's what it was first. Cold Storage. 
Yeah, about three years ago. Um, so I, you know, I'd written movies for a long time, like 30 years. And I, I felt like I, I started, I, I, you get a lot of input when you write movies because first and foremost, cause you need like tens of millions of somebody dollars. Of right. Somebody. So, you know, they're going to have opinions about what, what that story is like. And you get it from the director, you get it from actors, you get it from producers. And I really just, after writing that many movies, I felt like I just want to write something where it's all mine. Nobody knows I'm doing it. Nobody cares that I'm doing it. And uh, let my, you know, imagination run free. And I did it and had a ball, so I did another one. Well, you did, and you're very modest about the movies you've written. Jurassic Park by Steven Spielberg, you know, Mission Impossible, the first one, Carlito's Way, Spider-Man. Panic room. I mean, you're really uh, very talented at at writing. But this book, Aurora, if you could give people the setup, because I've tried to like, I'm really, I am going to be responsible. We're going to sell a lot of books for you for from this interview because <laughs> it is in. I'm putting it in the category with. Um, I've got so far two other books: The Lioness by Chris Bohalian and The Barons by Kurt Johnson, and then Aurora by David. Cap, and so if you would give people the setup of Aurora, so they can't just sure. take my word the, for it. The, the the premise is grounded in real science, which is that um, the sun it, the sun belches out a lot of uh, solar flares, which send supercharged plasma into space all the time, several times a day, and occasionally it it glances off the Earth. And it's so much energy that it usually causes a blackout. The last big time, big one was in Quebec in 1989. And I think it spread as far south as Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the premise of the book is that when one of these things hits us directly, which it does every couple hundred years, the last significant time being 1859, it's called the Carrington event. It will knock out all electrical systems all over the world. And it'll blow them out, so it's going to take a year to 18 months to repair them. I'm not saying this is going to happen in our lifetime, or it could happen tomorrow. Right. So I didn't want to write a great big global disaster story. Yeah. We've kind of been through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do it very localized from the point of view of just two people, a brother and a sister, very different people. She lives uh, on a, you know, in a, like a working-class neighborhood in Aurora, Illinois, and he's this tech billionaire who, you know, has prepared massively for uh, end of the world scenarios. He's, any disaster scenario, this guy's completely ready for. And she, her life is a bit of a mess, and, and she is completely unprepared for. And then I wanted to see if their fates could sort of cross. And she discovered strength she didn't know she had, and his carefully planned world falls apart on her. Yeah, it's uh, just. So that's the. Yeah, it's so suspenseful, your storytelling, both. And, you know, and I did stop to, like, is this Carrington event, like, a real thing? And this, you know, the agents, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this this has happened, does happen, could happen again. But once that, like, first chapter is over, that you get so engrossed in, I guess, you know, Aubrey, you know, her brother Tom, who I'm picturing the whole time as Elon Musk, sort of a character you know kind of like that but the history between the siblings juxtaposing with like oh my god no power it was really really compelling as a story 
Well, thank you. Yeah, it was the, the challenge. Also, I wanted to do something. You always want to challenge yourself as a writer. And the challenge in this case was to bounce between those two stories and a couple subsidiary characters and never feel like you were away from one of them for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously everything comes together in the end because that's how stories work. But um, so I found that from a structural point of view, um, cool and fun and difficult uh, because my last book was all very propulsive, very forward movement. Yeah. Mostly with the same people. Um, David, I want to ask you, uh, because you have some of our favorite authors blurb your book, Aurora, but on the front of your book is a blurb from Stephen King. Now, how does that happen? He's, well, he's just like the most generous guy in the world. He's an incredible, I I know him slightly because I adapted one, I wrote the screenplay and directed one of his. Um, novellas into a movie called Secret Window in 2004. Mm-hmm. And um, he was very, you know, so I know him a little bit from that. And he was just very gracious then. And he'd read uh, Cold Storage and was just because a friend of his said, hey, you got to read this. And he, he blurbed that too. And, and so I, I had the temerity to say, <laughs> would you would you mind reading this one and see if you're moved to do so? Oh, and, he- uh, and he he does, I mean, he does it for a lot of people he reads voraciously and he's not um afraid to speak up about it if he likes it yeah i i was just like you know julia was like you know your publisher had contacted us and i said let me look at that and i said oh my gosh i said if stephen king blurbs a book and then i think linwood barclay was another one and i'm just like oh we've got to read this book and i'm so happy that your publisher reached out to us um because, I mean, like I was finished the book, I was out on Fire Island and I'd been telling a couple of people and they're like, you're not going back to Minnesota. You have to leave this book at the beach with us. <laughs> Everyone in the house is going to read it. So darn it. But um, yeah, I I also got, got a big kick out of um, because we had been watching the offer on Paramount Plus which is the making of the Godfather, the story of the making of the Godfather. And I, it made me think, because you said in your uh, notes, like Don Corleone, I'm sentimental about my children. Unlike him, I've never introduced them to a life of crime. <laughs> that goes on my parenting resume and the good call. On the good call. But, you know, you've worked on all these movies, and we were so fascinated in watching the offer, you know, the based on the recollections of Al Ruddy, the producer of The Godfather. It's amazing movies ever get made in Hollywood. It's such chaos. It is amazing they ever get made. And they're, they're, to, to have a good one is, is the real lightning in a bottle situation. Because not only does everything sort of miraculously have to come together, but you have to get, it's not just that one person can be brilliant. It's five or six or seven people need to all be at the absolute peak of their craft. Yeah. You know, if you look at a movie like the Godfather, it's sure. Coppola was, was definitely at the peak of his craft. So we're Al Pacino, Marlon Brando, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Mario Puzo, the composer, yeah. uh, Coppola's father, Carmine, um, you know, all of these people were hitting their stride at the exact same moment. Yeah. It and is. that's, hard to find yeah and you've worked on so many you know iconic movies i mean would you like to see aurora be a movie or a limited series is that already being talked about 
It is. We, um, uh, it's going to be a movie. Um, the director, Catherine Bigelow, is doing oh. it. She's, she's great. You yes. Know, right? She's from Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker and many others. Um, and she's making it for Netflix. We're working on the script now and yes. hoping to start shooting, I think, in March. Oh, my gosh. That uh, I'm so excited for you, David. Thank you. Me too. I mean, that, and this would be... This would be an epic movie. It would have some scale. I mean, even though we focus on these two people, it's still a very large situation. Yes. That has occurred. And, nobody. And Catherine is. Yeah. Nobody really has power. Sort of orchestrating chaos. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so exciting. Now, did you, did you want to write the screenplay or as the author of the book, you're like, I'll let someone else. Or are you going to be involved in that way? I'm writing it now. You I are. don't. Uh, I don't think I'd have an easy time letting it go to somebody. No, um, I don't. And since you already know how to write a damn screenplay, yeah, and I'd be lying if I didn't say with both this and cold storage that as I was writing the books, I was thinking, well, if this were a movie, what would I do? And yeah. so you sort of have a lot of ideas saved up um, mm. as to how to approach it as a movie. Mm. And um, so I feel like I understand the material very well, and that's that's the number one thing. I'm, screenwriter can bring is an understanding of the material oh my gosh i think this is going to be epic like and you don't have any casting done yet do you no no, no. just still working on the script because i would think that um you know there'd be a lot of actors um 30 something actors who are going to want to be aubrey wheeler as well as her brother tom and and i've already thought of who um i want to play norm Oh, who do you got? Norman, the guy who played Buddy in Ozark. And he also was in, he was in like a lot of like horse operas back in the day. He's like 81 now, but he played Buddy in Ozark. His name is Harris Eulen. Harris Eulen, yes. Oh, Harris Eulen's great, yes. That's Norman. (laughs) Well, the nice thing is when you get into Norman's character in his 80s, who's, who's very important to the story, and... When you get into casting someone in their 80s, there is just an abundance of brilliant actors. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, it's not in, when they're 30s, you're all chasing Ryan Gosling. But right. By the time you there aren't a lot of great parts written for people in their 80s. So um, I feel like we would have a shot at somebody great. Yeah. Oh, David Cap, it's so wonderful to talk to you. We are just huge, huge fans of your book, Aurora. We're going to wait for it to come out on Netflix. It's probably going to be like a big thing like Sandra Bullock and the Bird Box, which is based on a book. People went crazy for that. And I could see people going crazy. But I say read the book because you simply cannot put this book down, David. So we really appreciate it. Well, thank you. That's the the greatest recommendation of all. Oh, well, we sincerely, sincerely mean it. And we'll... Keep our eyes out, uh, you know, for the movie next year. And I want to check out Cold Storage. And are you writing another book or are you just working on the screenplay? I'm just working on this yeah. for the time being. Okay. Um, so I, I feel like I have enough typing. To yeah, do. you've got you've got a lot going on, David. Dang it. Well, um, best of luck to you. You already have such a great, successful career, but it just seems like um, you're having a blast. And I just hope you keep writing. I am. Thank you. Uh, thanks for that. And it was great talking to you. Thanks okay. Thank me. you. Again, we've got two copies of the book by David. It's called Aurora by David Cap, K O E P P. Um, one of the best books of the year by far. 651 641 1071. We'll be right back. 
playing that because it's Fitty's birthday today. We're playing it for you, Fitty. Yeah, get some. And whose else birthday was it? Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's birthday. So Fitty sent, who I love, I love. He's so much fun to follow on Instagram, even though he can (laughs) be uh, out of tune, this and that. He did look like CeeLo at the Super Bowl, hanging upside down, (laughs) recreating the end of club video. But, I mean, he's just... I guess where I really... I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Fell for him was, I think he's been in Andy Cohen's clubhouse a couple of times. He's funny. He's delightful. He's been, and also he was Wouldn't want to date him. Oh, God, He seems no. like he'd be a terrible boyfriend. Fun boyfriend for, like, you know, a minute. I don't, I don't think you'd ever get to that title. Like, you would just call no. him someone you're talking to. Yeah. He it was also on Million Dollar Listing selling his, one of his, uh, it was upstate New York, his place. And it was wild. I mean, the things he had in that house were inappropriately wild, and I loved it. Uh, unbelievable. So anyway, on Sunday, he celebrated. He And whenever he gets an accolade or whatever, and, you know, he makes posts, comments on Madonna's thing. I mean, he's just now at this point, he's more known for things that he says and posts yeah. and so much more than music. And I guess because he's been in the acting thing with power and then whatever the follow up to his star show on power. Yeah, I think it's funny because it's we all know him as we think about him yeah, you know, making music. But he's music, really been doing the acting he, producing totally. thing for a long time. And just being kind of provocative online. So anyway, on Sunday, uh he the song in the club reached this mark. 1.5 billion YouTube wow. views for Indie Club. So here's what he writes on Instagram. <laughs> Indie Club is one of the greatest anthems of the early 2000s. And to this day, it is still considered one of hip-hop's best hits. It's true. I, I mean, can't it's deny been that. our birthday song. I literally- our birthday wish. Uh-huh. Whenever I leave Since here. Since we've been on the air, okay? Whenever I leave here, I find myself singing this song. Yeah, and I'm always surprised. Anyway, so he said, the song's amassed $1.5 billion in 13 years, which is impressive considering the song is actually 19 years old. Mm-hmm. With the achievement in mind, fifth, uh went on to say fifth, I like that. Still no best new artist. I don't know why people always want to cheat me, man. They are counting from 2009. That song came out in 2003. Damn it, man. He's right. I agree. He's he's Uh, only three years away from being 50. And I I feel like we're going to have to have some sort of party for 50 Cent turning 50. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you know he will. For sure. We'll we'll have to somehow get invited. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, you may not have known this in between nursing and bathing and doing diapers (laughs) and waking up every two hours, but Justin Timberlake about a month ago 
sold his music catalog like the older what? people are doing. Yeah. Which we thought was odd because, you know, he's like 42. Exactly. For $100 million. Well, he's being sued for big bucks in lost profit from a shelved 2020 experience documentary. Oh. And he's been sued uh, by this long time. This is this guy's a video music video. People know who he is. It was going to be called the 2020 experience. It's never seen the light of day. And it was a profit sharing plan initiated by J- Justin Timberlake saying, we'll we'll film it under the radar and bring it to um, market along with the release of the 2020 experience album never happened and even though the movie comp- made JT cry uh he he um his interest in taking it fur- further faded as 2020 experiences for solo album in several years took off urbano is claiming that Justin built him out of about 3 million dollars which is what he would have been paid if it had been a straightforward for hire. Instead, he got twenty thousand at the start in twenty twelve, and some expenses. And you know, he's done like a One Direction documentary, Keith Urban. Yeah, he's seen Bupkus, and he said he's not promoted, marketed, sold it, you know, nothing because this thing is made, and um. It was his musical comeback, if you, if you will, after the first album. Yeah, he got two Grammys. But anyway, um, so maybe that's why he sold it. And then also at the same time, just Rolling Stone. I mean, let's face it, Justin Timberlake has taken. He's never been my favorite since the his the stock has Super gone Bowl. down. So like he, we With had Janet a, Jackson. We had kind of dueling things happen, right? So 2018, he had Man in the Woods, terrible. It was a terrible, terrible. concert, terrible. It I, was I went to, bad. I was there. It was too, so Grant, bad. We were, oh. all, were we all there? He was terrible at the Super Bowl. Yeah, here and he the put, CD was terrible. He put Prince upon a sheet. Yeah, and as homage, yeah. it was so bad. But the thing is. Is it why has it this movie this should have come out in 2012 or 2013? It's interesting to me that he didn't, and I'm wondering if it's uh JT's prolific wandering hands and he got worried about the director's cut or something, why he didn't want to see this. Yeah, do not forget. We all saw photos of him in 2019 with his hands up the skirt of his co-star yeah. in New Orleans on the balcony at the Absinthe Bar right smack in the middle of the French Quarter. So this is a guy that, I mean, it's not like he was new to all of this. Yeah. So I wonder if he uh, was worried why, because why wouldn't he? He's got such a big ego. In 2012, 2013, people still thought he was great. Thought he was amazing. I didn't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's lost it for me with Miss Jackson and Britney Spears. Well, I didn't really even know how bad he was, was until, until they yeah. showed that Britney Spears and they showed right. all of his talking. He oh, talked yeah. so much publicly in interviews I know. about taking her virginity. He just was such a dog. But I just wonder what is on that documentary. I want to, too. And also, like, so I think he sold his catalog. To say that, to have some cash, and maybe there a future. Maybe I don't want to speculate, but maybe a future divorce that could be problem. That's right, but we'll see. I definitely yeah. I want to see what's on there now.
I know. So do I. <laughs> Actually watch it now. Yeah, but it's not out. And you can't put it out without JT. Art, we'll be right, be right back.